0: Welcome to Into the Sky, a podcast about the iconic Avro Vulcan XH558. I'm Martin Price, and this is season two, where you'll hear from people close to XH558, from pilots who have flown her to the volunteers who look after her, and the team who are in charge of securing her future. Join us as we explore the history of this magnificent aircraft and learn about how she will inspire the next generation of engineers through STEM education, Look into the past to improve the future. Today, we're pleased to welcome a gentleman who has become an integral part of the team at Vulcan to the Sky. He organises and coordinates the volunteers and guests on Visitor's Day. It's our airside manager, Jim Debenham. Hiya, Jim. How are you? I'm all right. Thank you very much. Thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedule to uh, uh, to come and talk to us today. Thanks very much. Oh, listen, like myself, you're a,
1: you're a bit of an aviation geek. What was your first memory of aviation? To be honest, Martin, I'm not an aviation geek. I'm a Vulcan geek. I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't go to air shows. I don't, no, I don't worship any other aircraft. Maybe a lightning if I could see one flying, but no, no not anymore. Um, but my first foray into aviation really is, if I go back to when I was about five years old, my dad was a bit of a political nut, um, him and a couple of friends, uh, they were in, well into politics. And round about my fifth birthday was the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis. So it was getting talked about an awful lot in our house and we lived near area Fininley so we could hear the Vulcans revving up, getting ready to go and all that sort of thing. And that sort of piqued my interest in, in Vulcans, if you like, and, and the four minute warning and all that sort of thing at the time. So that's where I really got started with it. I mean, 28th of October 1962 was the end of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And that was my fifth birthday. So. When we get a little bit later on, you'll see where I'm going with this, but that was my fifth birthday, okay? Right, okay. And that's where my, my love of, of Vulcans started, really. And then they used to fly over the village where I lived on a regular basis, so I've always been a fan. So that would have probably been your
0: first encounter with a Vulcan then, the the, the noises, the flying over the village where you yeah.
1: live in, etc. etc. et, cetera, et yeah. cetera. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they'd been around for sort of 12, 18 months before that, when they first came to Finland, so we saw them on a regular basis, but didn't really understand what they did. So mm. I mean, we were on little kids then, so it was just a noisy aeroplane. Mm. Yeah, the graced our skies frequently,
0: thankfully. Yes. Yes. So how did you become involved with 558? Because if I recall, your work career wasn't in aviation,
1: was it? Was it in engineering? No, no, I, I wasn't involved in engineering or aviation at all. Uh, I, was, I worked in the utilities industry only life. But I took early retirement in two thousand and ten and I did what most people do. I had a year off and and then I got bored. And me my son for my birthday that year bought me a tour of five five eight. So I went to the hangar and saw the, the operation there and had a had a look round, you know, and went on a tour and then I never thought any more about it. And then we were coming back from Sheffield one day, and it was on the radio that 558 was flying into Doncaster Airport. So we went up to the bridge on the M18 at Junction 3, and just because it was coming in over that direction. So it would come in directly over his head. And I met a guy there who was actually a volunteer at 558 at the time. And he he, he I was chatting with him, you know, and he says, Well, why don't you just come down and see if you know, talk to them and be a volunteer. So I did. And that's how I got involved. I went in sort of at the time after I finished work, I'd, I'd been suited and booted for most of my working life. So I, I rang up and they said, oh, come in for a chat. So I went for an interview. So I turned up in a suit and tie and little folder under my arm and all the rest like you do when you go for an interview. Uh, and I basically got, well, these are volunteers here. I'll just muck in. And that <laughs> were it. So, so I was involved.
0: Nice one. Yeah. It sounds, it, yeah. That sounds very familiar to me as well. Yeah. 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 Can you yeah. can you operate a, a broom? Yeah. You're in. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But yeah. well, when I started there were no brooms. We had to buy them. <laughs> yeah. All the all donations gratefully accepted, were they? Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So what was your first role when you joined
1: the uh the five five eight team? I joined as a tour guide, so that we're basically showing people around the jet and, and sort of following people like there was Steve uh, where who was the more or less lead volunteer then, and a couple of other people. And you sort of learned parrot fashion about the jet and about its history and all this, the rest of it. So I just followed Steve around for a few days, picked up what I needed to pick up and then got on with showing people around the jet. But I quickly became involved in looking after the displays that were in there because they were a little bit messy and a little bit, and I and I don't like things like that. So I, I sort of said to the boss at the time, you know, do you mind if I just have a tidy up and put a few new bits out? And that's what I did, and I I got more and more involved in that, and and uh, things just snowballed from there. You like
0: so you're the one responsible for tidying the hanger up, then are you?
1: No wonder we couldn't yeah, find anything. That was me. Yeah, <laughs> I was the, apparently I was the first one to ever pick up a duster. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> right, right. So, I mean, the things have changed
0: dramatically over the time that you've been involved with Five Five Eight from the early days in the hangar to where we are now. So, just briefly, I mean, I know you've just explained a little bit there, but about the the. What it was like in the early days when you joined as a tour guide, um, uh, you know, and and what it was like for you when five five eight was was still
1: flying at that point. It was an amazing time to be involved, but it was also a difficult time to be involved because we weren't allowed anywhere near the jet, so everything was cordoned off because the the, the license for the CAA meant. The the general public and us as tour guides weren't allowed anywhere near the jet. We weren't allowed in the cockpit. We weren't allowed to touch anything. There were barriers around everything, and we could only work around them barriers. So it was a lot different to what it is today. I mean, today we have car blanch access and we go where we like. But back in the day when she was flying, there were rules and regulations that we had to follow. And also, the environment of the hangar was classed as airside. So you had to have the right permits, you had to, you know, if they opened the big doors and you hadn't got a permit, you'd got to get out of the hangar, because it was classed as airside. So it made it a lot more awkward to do the job, if you like. Once you stopped flying, then it made, made things became a lot simpler, because we could take all those barriers away and allow people access to the jet, if you like, which is what they wanted.
0: Mm.
1: And they were very, very different I animal mean, we'll to it, not it? A little bit more strict than,
0: by the sounds of things it was a lot more strict yeah yeah, it was so you've been with the uh, Trust now for a number of years I mean obviously the 28th of October 2015 that'll um, always be a date that like many of us will remember for a a long long time sadly but what do you think is the best memory you've got from the time that you've been with the Trust
1: it's difficult to pick one to be honest there's, there's lots and lots and lots of things. Spending time with Guy Martin. I actually got to do a fast taxi with Guy Martin. That was, that was just awesome. But, uh, but I think that the thing that sticks in my head more than anything is the people that I've met. You know, the, the people that come from all over the world to worship that jet. You know, and I've, I've had people from Australia, America, Canada, Uh, Argentina, places like that, people have come to see the jet, and, and, and I don't understand what draws people from all over the world to that one particular aircraft, when they can go to somewhere like Duxford and see a million different aircraft, you know, but it's just, it's just that, that's what sticks in my head more than anything, the amount of time and effort that people put in to come and visit that jet, even now, you know, we have people that come from all over the world just to come on a Sunday morning tour for an hour and a half, and it's, it's just it, it it just amazes me. It does, but but things like 28th of October 2015. If you just wind back a little bit to 28th of October 1962, that was my fifth birthday. 28th of October 2015 was my 58th birthday. So I saw her do a last flight on my birthday. So they did a flight for me on my birthday. But if you put the numbers together, it makes five five eight. So it's well, destined because... to be involved in that aircraft. <laughs> wow! Well, one I never
0: realised that it was your birthday on that particular day. Yeah. And two, yeah, yeah, wow, wow, that's
1: an incredible bit. So that's 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 a little bit that sits in my tour now forever. Mm. You know, when people ask about it, so you know, I can say to people, "Yeah, I were involved when I was five years old. I were involved when I was fifty-eight years old, and that's five-five-eight, and that's the aircraft that I look." Wow! Wow, well, that's absolutely incredible. Is that mate? yeah? So, as
0: you were saying, we're still getting good numbers of people coming from all over the world as well, looking into looking at yeah. i and you can, you can see the passion for the aircraft when they come and the excitement, et cetera. Is there anything that you can talk about that maybe some sort of future plans for
1: visitors to the aircraft? Well, I, there's lots and lots of things we can do for visitors to the aircraft. One of the things we're looking at now is... Doing a little bit more corporate stuff, so small groups of people coming into Delta Core and 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 meeting up like we do with the public, but then taking them out to the jet and maybe doing a few other little bits. There's lots and lots of things that we're we we're, we're sort of mulling around with at the minute. Um, but as you well know, Martin, the key thing is getting her in a building. Yeah, we can do an awful lot more once she's in a building. While she's outside, you know, it's. I mean, I've just planned this week. Uh, with mark the the rest of the year up to Christmas and the, the 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 period from the early December through to the end of February becomes very very difficult to manage because you you're beholden to the weather whereas if we were in a building you're not you know so it, it makes life, it will make life a lot easier if we're in a building but we are where we are and and we've just got to do what we have to do and and keep people coming one thing that always
0: amazes me, and being involved with it as you are, is no matter what the
1: weather, they still turn up, don't they? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, they'll stand out there in pouring rain, it, you it, know, but then again, she does make a nice big umbrella. She does, yeah. And great shade in summer as well, doesn't she? Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aye,
0: absolutely. Yeah, just never ceases to amaze me. So... You've obviously... I mean, there's certain things I know you can't talk about because of sensitive issues, etc. But there's a, there's obviously things going on. Is is there one thing that you would like to see the most for 558 in the future? A building. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Of some description. I don't care if it's a tin shed, as long as she's undercover and out of weather. Yeah. Because, well, like I say, there's an awful lot more things we can do and... and um, but there are an awful lot more ways we can entertain the public with the jet than us than being stuck outside. Yeah. So, if the, the one thing I would like is a multi millionaire to come along and say, there you go, there's some money and build yourself a building. Well, we'll keep trying with the lottery, eh, hey, Jim? We'll see what- yeah, yeah. everybody does it, mate. Yeah. We all do it. <laughs> see what we can do
0: between us. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Jim, thanks very much for your time. Cheers. thanks for listening to this episode of into the sky we do hope you enjoyed it don't forget to keep looking out for more episodes on the way and if you'd like to find out more about the work of the vulcan to the sky trust or maybe if you'd like to make a donation to help safeguard the future of xh558 please visit the website vulcantothesky.org